1: The numbers
2: told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on V-CIN. one of those idiots who believe in analytics. It is a numbers game here on v Happy to be with you on a Friday morning here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. I'm Jeff Parles in for Gil Alexander. We hope to have Gil back on Monday. Uh, we, of course, heard from Gil. Gil, Gil doing all right uh, after a, a COVID test for Gil earlier in the week, but uh, we hope to have him back next week. Good show lined up for you today. We'll have some of our regular guys. Paul Carr coming your way at about 1045 Eastern time. Slow jamming with Vinny at 1130. Eric Eager, Dr. Eric Eager at 11 a.m. And then Robbie Calland of Uprock Sports going to be with us in 15 minutes time. Going to be a fun show here on a Friday. A little bit more than a week from the Super Bowl. By the way, full Pro Bowl breakdown if you want that, you came to the wrong spot. That's all I'm gonna say. No bets on, no bets on the Pro Bowl uh, for for me. Uh, and hopefully, uh, look, if you find a, you find an angle, more power to you. I'm gonna sit that one out on uh, on Sunday. By the way, it's All Star Weekend here in uh, in Vegas for whatever reason. The NHL with their All Star game tomorrow with a noon puck drop in Vegas. It's exactly what you want uh, for an All-Star Game uh, showcase in this city. And then the Pro Bowl, of course, on Sunday. So uh, a lot going on here in town this week. Uh, the big news last night uh, broke pretty late after about, about a 10 o'clock Eastern time, 10.30 Eastern time. The Jacksonville Jaguars have their man, and it's not Byron Leftwich. It is actually former Philadelphia Eagles head coach Doug Peterson getting the job there in Jacksonville. Peterson, of course, a Super Bowl champion uh, with the Eagles, uh, famously leading an Eagle team with Nick Foles at quarterback for that whole run and route to a Super Bowl championship for the Eagles. A, a very weird path for Jacksonville to get to this point. Obviously, we had the rumblings that Leftwich was a pretty significant favorite to get the job. He wanted Adrian Wilson to be brought in from Arizona. He didn't want Trent Balky there in the role that Balky is there at right now. In the end, Leftwich pulls his name from consideration, and Doug Peterson ends up being the man. Uh, look, I'll say this, and and this is just the way I'm going to operate with head coaching hires moving forward. Because for guys who have never been head coaches in the NFL before, we don't know what they are when they get hired. We can make guesses. We don't know. We don't know if they're going to be the next Sean McVay, and we don't know if they're going to be the next Adam Gase. We just don't know. For guys who have been head coaches in this league, we at least have a sample size of what these guys have done. And for me, Doug Peterson – did a really good job in Philadelphia. Yeah, you can, there's some that will argue oh, it was his coordinators. It was Frank Reich who ended up getting the Indianapolis job. I don't know how you can say that. I don't know how you can say that it, would, that it wasn't Peterson, wasn't the main reason that Philadelphia was able to survive a Carson Wentz, Wentz torn ACL when Wentz was still at the top of his game pre ACL there and go through and win a title. And in all honesty, if Alshon Jeffrey makes a play and doesn't drop it into an interception against New Orleans the, fi- the following year, Philadelphia's probably in the NFC title game against the Rams. And then who knows? Maybe you're talking about Nick Foles being in back-to-back Super Bowls. As ridiculous as that is. I think Doug Peterson's a, re- a very good head coach. And for Jacksonville's mission, the only thing that matters with this hire is is getting the right guy to coach Trevor Lawrence. We know Doug Peterson can coach quarterbacks. We'll see how it works out. But I, I, I have there are some that are that are blasting the hire. I don't. I am not in that camp. I think this has the potential to be a very good hire because you know what you're getting out of Doug Peterson. Again, could if they had ended up with Leftwich, could Leftwich have been a good head coach? Absolutely. We just don't know with guys who haven't been head coaches in this league before. It's just hard to handicap. Three jobs remain. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, which who knows is going to end up with that job at this point. New Orleans is going to interview Eric Bieniemy over the weekend. That seems to be down to Bieniemy, Flores, Glenn, and Allen. And then in Houston, Jonathan Gannon, Brian Flores, and Josh McCown. Those seem to be the remaining candidates there in Houston. I, I will say... I really don't know what the Texans are doing if they end up between Gannon and McCown because McCown legitimately has zero coaching experience. Gannon, is there anything, and Michael Lombardi said this, and I 100% agree with him, is there anything in Philadelphia's defense that shows you that Jonathan Gannon at least deserves looks at this point? Again, I'll reserve judgment on any higher, but those seem a little bit questionable if Houston were to go that route. All right, let's go to the teams that are still playing, though. Of course, uh, we're uh, we're heading to the weekend, so that means we're uh, we're under 10 days now. We're under 10 days from Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles. The Rams and the Bengals, as we know, the quick update of the day of where our traditional side and total are at. We haven't seen movement now in two days been stuck on four and a half, been stuck on 48 and a half. The big question that I've had over the last few days, and I will definitely ask Vinny this later in the show. When will this pivot again? Because this is, I don't, it may close four and a half, but I don't think it's going to be a static four and a half for the next 10 days. It's just a matter of this, does this go up to five? Or does this go back to four? Because it does seem like a lot of sharper bettors are on the Rams in this game. And look, we've talked about it already this week. We're going to talk about it with Robbie Cowan and Paul Carr and, and Eric Eager in this show as well. The Cincinnati offensive line is still the biggest concern in this game on either side of the ball for either team. And I know the under's been hit down a point and a half, a point, depending on where it started out. Depending on which book you looked at, the Cincinnati offensive line still seems to be the big question mark in this game and will be the question mark until this game gets going. Of course, as we know, able to survive that bad offensive uh, line play, Cincinnati has been able to throughout this postseason. Of course, uh, again, game open three and a half, immediately bet the four and a half. I'm no problem with that move again, with the way, again, it's a home game for the Rams, even though, let's face it, there's going to be no home field advantage in this Super Bowl. Kind of like last year. Last year, even though Tampa had the home field for the first time in Super Bowl history for anyone, it's a half crowd and I don't care if that game was played in Arrowhead, I don't care if that game was played on the moon, Kansas City wasn't was not able to block Sanford, or excuse me, Tampa Bay's uh defensive lineman in that game. They had no chance of blocking them. So, I I uh I don't think home field really played it, played any role in that beatdown a year ago. Uh, let's look at let's look at some props here. And uh earlier in the week, we talked about a little bit just individual players to score anytime touchdowns. Uh quickly, just a little recap there. The guys that I'm still looking at that on that, still look at those tight ends. I've said it the whole week. We have you have to monitor what the status of Tyler Higbee and CJ Uzama are going to be all week long. Right now at Ben MGM, Higbee at plus 230 anytime touchdown. Uzama at plus 230 as well. Kendall Blandon and Drew Sample, who are the two tight ends that would likely slide into those roles. Blandon, only 10 cents more plus 240 now. Remember, Kendall Bland had three catches the entire regular season and has had six in the last two games Uh, and four in the NFC Championship game, especially because of the injury to Higby. Drew Samples, the other tight end, four to one right now anytime touchdown. Uh, That seems about right. Uzama looks like he may have a real chance of playing, but you always like this. The multi, the multiple touchdowns, the multiple touchdowns Scorers in this game. Two, two or more, three or more. You see it on your screen in a second here. You know, and, I, and I'll say this. Cooper Cup, as we talked about yesterday, his receiving total is going to close astronomically high. And if you'll want Cooper Cup overs right now, you have to bet him now because they're only going to be bet higher before the game gets going. I know it came down from 105.5 to 102.5 at BetMGM, but I anticipate that moving back up. Look, this is a very difficult market to bet. It is a crapshoot. I completely understand that. The one number that does stand out to me, and I wish I was getting more on this in all honesty, these numbers, I really wish I was getting more. But if you made me play this market today, the only bet I would make is Sony Michelle. But the one problem with that with a second string running back you should be getting better than 11 to 1 to me so sh- again shop around this is the biggest thing that we that we'll be preaching all next week too with props make sure you shop because every single book in the country is going to have their own props and numbers are going to be off from book to book whether it may be a yard difference on a rushing total whether it be here on the multi touch multiple touchdowns scored in the in the game by an individual player. I'll have to look at DraftKings during the break, but it wouldn't shock me if someone on this list that you're interested is say take T. Higgins, for example. Wouldn't shock me if taking T. Higgins is nine to one at DraftKings instead of plus seven fifty. Or vice versa, T. Higgins may be shorter. So shop around throughout uh the next week plus on any of these props that you're looking at. Again, this is a tough market. Also, by the way, if any of these guys score three touchdowns, you probably want an MVP ticket. Because even though we know how that award is slanted to the quarterbacks, if some, if some skill position player scores three touchdowns, they're probably winning the MVP too. That would be the one path where I could see a non-quarterback winning the MVP of this game. Coming up next, Robbie Calland of Uproxx. We're getting Robbie's thoughts on this game. If he has any props he's played already and more with Robbie Callan next here on a numbers game on v Sydney Sports Betting Network. right around the corner. It's time to download the BetMGM sports app. It is Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted out specials and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology. Fan-friendly specials every day of the week and much more. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. It is a numbers game here on v I'm Jeff Parles. Happy to be with you on the first Friday of February. And now with us, Robbie Calland. Of Uprock Sports, a senior editor at Uprock, with us right now, Robbie. Good morning. Thanks to uh, thanks to you for being with us today. And uh, let's just let's just start out with the basics here. I don't know if you know, there's a, a pretty significant football game in nine days. Uh, oh, believe- we're not talking. We're not doing Pro Bowl. I thought we would just be diving deep <laughs> on Pro Bowl here. No. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, Pro Bowl. I believe the line is one on the AFC side. That just shows how much I've, uh, I paid attention really dialed, to that this week, dialed really in dialed in, there, in on the pro bowl, uh, but uh <laughs> super bowl wise, uh, four and a half is the consensus number of Rams lane. 48 and a half is the total. What, what are your initial thoughts here? We're getting closer nine days out.
3: Yeah. I haven't been a big believer in the Bengals for weeks and they, they just keep making it happen. And I, I, My lean here is Rams um, on the side, like four and a half. I don't love laying a a big number here just because this is an offense that does tend to kind of go boom bust on you. And, And that is a little bit scary for me laying four and a half against a team that can put up some points in bunches, but I I look at all of the various matchups and I can't stop thinking about the one that's going to be the biggest advantage to one team or the other is Rams defensive line versus Bengals offensive line. And I just don't see Cincinnati consistently being able to give Burrow the time to create the big plays that I think they need to. And look, I've seen that in a few games of this playoffs, and it hasn't mattered because the other team has imploded on offense in the second half against this Bengals defense. I don't know how they do it. They have been the best team at adjustments all postseason. So maybe maybe I should just go Rams first half. Maybe that's going to be my best bet because I think they can, you can come out. You can scheme for this Bengals defense. You can scheme for this Bengals offense and disrupt things early. So, maybe that would be my best bet is Rams first half and just take them there. Because I've, I've been
2: wrong like two or three times now against the Bengals. Rams right now, Robbie, laying three in the first half uh, across the board. Uh, depending on the book, uh, I'm actually seeing some three even monies even out there on the Rams. So, I, I that's probably a uh, look. The, we, we saw last week uh, the in-game adjustments from Cincinnati's defensive staff, at least. Uh, yeah. Look, we, we even saw it in the regular season against Kansas City. Uh, th- six points and two second halves in four weeks for KC. So uh, that leads me into my next question, Robbie, because coaching obviously uh, has been questionable on both sides here through this run. Sure. Uh, look, Sean McVay to me is the... There's maybe two or three guys who are better X's and O's wise than McVay. But in-game strategy, he got so lucky in the NFC championship game that he was able to get away with it. But look, on the other side, it's one of his disciples who Zach Taylor is uh, seemingly, again, part of it is that his offensive line has been poor. But I thought Zach Taylor called a pretty brutal game in Kansas City, and he got away with it. Can I get can I get a line on um,
3: when both teams will be out of timeouts in the second <laughs> half? Oh, can, I, can I get over under four minutes to go? Because uh, yeah, give me, <laughs> give me the over. Um, yeah, look, I, it's going to be fascinating because, like you said, like both both of these coaches will rip through timeouts. Both of these coaches will make some weird challenges. Um, it, they like it, it. Really is funny for for guys who are as apparently smart as they are football wise and clearly know everything about scheme and everything about what they're doing. Like it's the same thing with, with cliff in Arizona, right? Mm -hmm. Like we talk about it all the time with him is like the in game management stuff. And this is, maybe this is just like, if you're an offensive guru, you're just not allowed to do it. Cause what did we talk about with Andy Reid for 20 damn years? Like the same stuff. And so I, I'm fascinated to see who can kind of hold their water in this one and, and not hand handicap their team in a way that, that keeps them from having the best chance late, because it's I, like you, like, like we said, it's probably going to be important because these are two offenses that can go through lulls. So there might be somebody up 10 at some point, but it probably does come down to some late game execution. And neither of these teams really give you a lot of confidence in that, I would lean Rams just because I trust the players a little more um, to make the right decisions in those late game spots. Like they have veterans in the right spots. they will know when to go out of bounds and know how to kind of save clock. Even if McVay doesn't save timeout. Um, and it will be interesting to see if the Bengals can do the same. Burrow's been great to this point and he looks super poised, but it's, it's a different level when you get on that Super Bowl stage.
2: Robbie, uh, I'll give you the prop here. First team to use a timeout. Uh, Rams are a slight favorite, by the way, in that prop. I actually think that is correct with knowing how they burns his timeouts. I like that. I like that. <laughs> first drive, third play. <laughs> that that, I, that would actually be – I would love to see a book actually do that. Time of first timeout. Give us just a an, an over-under on the time. That would be really fun. Uh, Robbie Callen with us right now. Uh, of course uh, – works for up rock sports uh, is senior editor for them. Robbie. Uh, I just want to look at this just from the Bengal perspective here for a mm-hmm. second. Cause look, I, I, I'm with you. They have defied logic this postseason. They, their offensive line can block. They've been out yarded in all three games, yards per play on top of being out yarded. And yet here they are really two, three years ahead of schedule in this game and, and and Robbie I know the easy answers Joe Burrow to this question so I'm going to ask for a, a different answer who's the one non-Burrow player that needs to have a huge game here for Cincinnati for them to have a chance to pull the upset I think it's T Higgins I think I think Higgins that we know the
3: Rams are going to throw Ramsey and probably some help at Jamar Chase like we, we've seen this, we saw the Chiefs do this, where they're like, we are not going to let Jamar Chase get loose. And it really threw off the Bengals' offensive rhythm for the first, what, quarter and a half of that game? Um, they they really struggled when they couldn't get Chase the ball. A- and I think Higgins is going to have to have a big game catching those crossers and c- catching those things across the middle and helping them move the sticks. Um, because this is an offense that we we've seen – Look, one, Zach Taylor's going to need to throw the ball in early downs. He cannot do what he did in Casey and have two-yard runs, th- three-yard runs over and over on first down with Mixon. It's just not going to work. This Rams defensive front is going to blow up your offensive line. The quick pass game is going to have to be there, and I don't think Chase is going to be able to get loose enough to be the main guy in that. I think T. Higgins has to have a really good game. He can't have some of the drops that he's had, Um, And and if he can, if he can be reliable on that underneath stuff, I think that's going to be huge for them to be able to be a consistent offense, moving the ball uh, and not reliant so much on finding chase for forty yard plays.
2: Robbie Ramside, same question, taking Stafford out of the equation. I go to the defensive side. And I think we just need to be hearing Aaron
3: Donald's name a bunch. Look, this is a terrible interior of the Bengals offensive line. This is the game that Aaron Donald's been trying to get to and make a name for himself. He was saying it on the sidelines. Like the one thing he's missing is that ring. I need to hear Aaron Donald's name all day. He's got the advantage in the middle. Uh, we, we know that, I mean, the Bengals benched their right guard in the middle of the game last week. Like, they don't know what they're doing in there. They have no, no clue. They're just trying to duct tape and, like, figure it out, MacGyver some way to get Joe Burrow enough time to get the ball out. I think it's just Aaron Donald. Can he wreak havoc in the middle of that line? I think he does, and I think that's the difference because we know there's a difference between pressure coming off the edge and guys being able to slide and step up and Burrow's great at that. When that pressure comes from the inside, it's much different.
2: Robbie, we have about 30 seconds here. What's one prop that you uh either have already fired on or are going to fire on? Uh I like Cooper Cup first touchdown. There you go. Here, making it simple. Making it simple there with with uh with Cooper Cup, who is right now the uh the short shot at Ben MGM plus five fifty. So uh, there you go. By the way, Cooper Cup, uh, his uh, receiving r- receiving our total right now, Robbie, a one a two and a half. If you want it now, you got to bet that thing over, despite it being the most ridiculously high number I think I've ever heard. Crazy, <laughs> crazy. He's Robbie Callen. Get him on the tweets at our calendar. you can find his great work at uprocks.com. Uh Robbie, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. And uh, I'm sure we'll do it again before this game kicks off. We'll talk soon, then. Thank you very much, Robbie. Coming up next. I just saw some potential coaching news in the NFL that is pretty comedic. I'll tell you what it is when we get back next on a numbers game here on Visa. Stormy Bonatoni on Friday the 11th, that's a week from today, at 6 p.m. for the Big Game Betting and Beers event at the South Point Hotel and Casino. Right here in Las Vegas, Stormy will be joined by our guys in the desert. Chris Andrews, Jimmy Vaccaro, Vinny Maliulo. Three legends right there for a fun and informative look at betting this year's Big Game and the stories from behind the book about all the action that these three have seen over the years. The event is free for anyone who's 21 or older. So stop by to South Point a week from today, Friday, February 11th at 6 p.m. to get free samples of our bookmaker blonde ale, specials on Budweiser, purchase signed copies of Chris Andrews' books as well. That's uh, then one day and then one year, both out right now. And learn from these bookmaking experts, Vinny, Chris, and Jimmy. Of course, our own Stormy Bonatoni. emceeing betting and beers. It is a numbers game on V I'm Jeff Parles. Happy to be with you. Uh, another another day out for Gil. Uh, we're hope, hopeful to have him back sooner rather than later. Let's uh, let's look at this real quick uh, before we get back into Super Bowl related things. A report from uh, Mike Mike Girardi of NFL Network, and when this name gets bro- brought up in coaching circles. A shiver comes down the spine. Here's the report. In addition to Bill O'Brien, Adam Gase's name keeps popping up when speaking to league sources about the Patriots' now vacant offensive coordinator position. Of course, as you know, Josh McDaniels hired on Sunday last week. He's not a Raiders head man. And Foxborough does hope for an internal promotion, although that likely wouldn't come with the official OC title. Now, here's what I'm going to say. And I said this the other day. I don't remember if I said it. On, on the air if I said it off the air while in studio. So I'll say the point one more time. Here's what we're going to l- look at with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien is a good football coach who was a dreadful general manager. Just the worst general manager. And look, he uh, his bad GMing in the end ended up destroying his coaching career in Houston. Adam Gase, we know, is horrible in every respect. He has failed upwards because he coached Peyton Manning, who, let's face it, Peyton Manning was the main reason that offense worked, not Adam Gase. And if you're New England, and again, I hope, look, I'm a Jets fan. I, I'm okay if a team, another team in a division is not as good as they're supposed to be. But I hope for the sake of Mac Jones's career, that Adam Gase is not the hire here. I still expect O'Brien to be, if they go outside the organization, that O'Brien will be the guy. But, man, the fact that Adam Gase is even being considered is flabbergasting. It's flabbergasting. <laughs> He's such a bad football coach. Oh, man. Well, we'll see what happens there. That's something to at least keep uh, keep your mind on. Uh, potentially, if uh, if you are looking to bet New England futures if Adam Gase has named the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. I mean, I, come on. I, I, Belichick's the greatest coach of all time, but even I don't even think he would able, be able to have the proper amount of success if that dude is your OC. Do I sound spurned enough there? <laughs> what Adam Gase has done? Why, Tom Jack here as well. Do I feel do I do I do I sound spurned enough there, Wyatt? Yeah, uh, I I, I could I could sense the disdain for Adam Gase. He's just just such a bad football coach, (laughs) really is. Let's uh, let's get back to the Super Bowl though. Uh, We got a lot to go through betting wise over these next nine days. Uh, We'll go team by team here. Let's do that team by team. The Rams. We'll start with them. They're the favorite in the game. This is. We're heavy on the touchdown scorers today. By the way, of course, uh, the Rams still four and a half point favorites. Uh, first scorer of a touchdown, odds of Ben MGM. There's your your current up-to-date numbers, four and a half, forty eight and a half. 48 and a half. Uh, Cooper Cup, by the way, Cooper Cup, uh, let's check in quickly on Cooper Cup's receiving yards. Cooper Cup is up to 104 and a half this morning. So you better hopped in on the 102 and a half yesterday while it still existed. I think that's going to close 110 and a half. I really do. I know that's outrageous. I know that's a huge move, and at some point there'll be a sharp buyback on his receiving prop. But who uh, for public betters, are we really going to have people rooting for Cooper Cup not to do anything? that seems like a miserable experience. <laughs> They're watching the Super. well, what do you, what prop bets do you have? Oh, I have Cooper Cup under his receiving yards. Like again, it could could it get there? Of course it could, but that just doesn't doesn't feel like a fun viewing experience. Uh, first, Ram touchdown scorer Cooper Cupps plus three twenty. Cam Akers five to one. Beckham six to one. Michelle plus seven fifty. There's Higby, who uh, still has not been ruled out for this game nine to one. Van Jefferson and Kendall Bland ten to one. Ram special teams twenty defense slash special teams twenty two to one. Stafford is thirty three to one, and then the fun one, which if we get a redux of. The last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl, no Los Angeles Rams touchdown scored a 22 to 1. I feel very secure in saying the Rams will score a touchdown in this game. It's not going to be a redux of 4 years ago, 3 years ago, excuse me. Not going to be a redux. I don't see that happening. But this this this, this these touchdown scoring markets are tricky especially when you're trying to handicap game flow because there are, there are books now that allow you to bet this live of the next touchdown score per team or the next touchdown score in the game period. That's probably the way to play this market for both of these teams. And we'll look at Cincinnati's numbers also in a second. If you're making me play this pre-flop, I would, again, I would go back to Sony Michelle at plus 750. I, I I just think that if you're on the goal line here, you're probably looking to a handoff at Michelle. Now, again, the problem that you're, you're dealing with, like I said, is game flow. You don't know exactly what the game flow is going to be here. What happens if no one's doing anything and then all of a sudden, boom, a 70-yard play to Van Jefferson gets you home? I think you can there, – there are ways to play this in-game, these markets, because there are numbers sometimes that don't get adjusted off the pre-flop number. Like, let's say Kendall Bland – let's say Higby attempts to play, and he doesn't get ruled out, but it's clear that Higby is not right. Then you look to a Kendall Bland in-game number on either next Rams touchdown or, the even better one, the anytime touchdown live, which does exist in most markets. So that's the way I would play it on the Ram side. Let's look at the Bengals numbers. I'm just curious to see if it's the same way in the way of uh, the way that these are priced out. Cincinnati not to score touchdowns 12 to one. That seems that seems short, doesn't it? It seems really short. I, I wouldn't bet that at 12 to one. No way got to be that's gonna be the same number as the Ram touchdown no touchdown one uh, mixon plus 325 chase four to one Higgins plus 650 Boyd plus 750. uzama again still waiting on his injury status nine to one the no Bengal touchdown at 12 to one which is shorter than Pirine who actually scored the first touchdown for the Bengals in the AFC title game Burrow who's at 21 Pirine at 28 to one by the way Bengals defense special team 16 to one. Drew Sample at 16-1, I would like more on that. Because I need to, the whole key with this, and this goes back to what I've talked about throughout this week, we need to see what the status of the tight ends are for both of these teams before making bets on Sample and Blandon, who seem to be the two guys in this prop market that you could possibly pick off numbers that are not totally where they should be because of injuries. Now the other flip side of that on Blandon, it's starting to seem like books are actually adjusting that properly. Sample, it hasn't been adjusted, even though probably if there wasn't any injury concern of Uzama, I'd imagine that sample would be longer than Pirine. So there is a little bit of an adjustment there. But this is another one. These touchdown markets, anytime touchdowns, I like betting more than first touchdown, but there are ways to bet this in-game. You can tell off a game flow. Who could be getting more targets in the red zone? If the Bengals are really struggling to block, guess what? They may try to do what they did in that AFC title game. Set up a screen. Then you take your shot on Mixon. You take your shot at a bloated number on Piran. You take a shot on whichever tight end is playing in the game. You can bet this market for the books that have it available in-game. Anytime touchdown, next touchdown score for a certain team, next touchdown score in the game. These are bettable markets by the game flow. That's the way I look to play these markets, but again, there are hundreds on hundreds of props. If you like these, if you like these first touchdown scorer per team props or touchdown scores at all, as I've said all week, as we'll say all week next week, shop around. Be fascinating to see where uh, where some of these numbers close, and also again, fascinating to see how these numbers move throughout in game. Again, I still can't get over Cooper Cup at one hundred four and a half on receiving yards. It's such a huge number, and yet I don't want the I don't want anything to do with that under. No way. It does not feel like an enjoyable experience rooting a Cooper Cup receiving yards under home in a Super Bowl. Paul Carr, he's going to join us next. He has actually a little bit of football from across the pond and football stateside. We'll get them both from Paul Carr next on the numbers game.
0: If you dare.
2: action you need is at betmgm sign up now using the bonus code vsin 1000 and you will get you'll get a your first wager risk free up to a thousand dollars when you register with betmgm you'll also get instant access to a variety of parlay selections live betting options player props and daily boosted odd specials simply download the betmgm app today or go to betmgm.com and enter bonus code VSIN1000, that's vsin one zero 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 0 to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER, the promotional offer not available in Nevada. It is a numbers game here on VSIN. I'm Jeff Parles in for Gil Alexander. And now with us, it is Paul Carr, of course, Of True Media Networks. Paul, a pleasure as always to have you on. Uh, Before we get to your Super Bowl props and your one soccer play of the day, uh, CONCACAF uh, qualifying happened this past week. I still think everyone is frozen in St. Paul. Uh, But (laughs) uh, uh, pretty amazing that we are looking at uh, the Canadians uh, looking like they're going to skate through pretty easily here in CONCACAF qualifying.
4: Yeah, they were. So before this round began, they were just a slight third favorite to make it. Like, US and Mexico were, at, you had to pay a ton of juice to get them to qualify. Mexico, or Canada rather, was somewhere in the minus 150 ish range, depending on when you got them. Uh, and so they were kind of thought to be that third, fourth, fifth team in the Costa Rica Panama mix. But they've been great. This is what their talent is has promised for the past couple years, and I think it just came about faster than everybody expected. They've got guys playing in top leagues, they've shown the possibilities, uh, but they're putting it all together maybe a year or two or three before everyone thought they would.
2: Team USA, of course, uh, handling their business uh, two nights ago in St. Paul in uh, frigid conditions there in second uh, in the table. Mexico looks like they're going to be able to get through it despite uh, not being anywhere near their best, Paul.
4: No, they've been not good, especially at home where Estadio Azteca has traditionally been a place they've dominated. They've struggled there. You know, they drew uh, Costa Rica during during this window and it sets up a really interesting game. The first game of the March window, March 24th, Mexico hosts the United States. And while neither one of these teams is in trouble, they're also not far from being in trouble. So the, the loser of that game, Well, will then basically have a must win in the next game for the U S they host Panama in the second game of that window. They win that. They're almost certainly going to qualify, but you lose to Mexico. Your margin for error is almost completely gone heading into that second window. So both those teams are in good shape, but they're not far from being in bad shapes. It sets up a really interesting game when the next window comes up in March
2: and more than likely the final meaningful qualifying game ever between those two, uh, just because of the new format that's coming in the, uh, In the 2026 World Cup with more teams and it's going to be pretty hard for Mexico and U.S. not to qualify every single year uh, moving forward there. Paul, you have one soccer play this week. It's a it's not in the EPL. It's actually not even on the continent of Europe. We're going to we're going to the Africa Cup of Nations final Senegal and Egypt is the championship match there.
4: Yeah, there is one Premier League game this weekend. It's the last two teams in the table, and Burnley and Watford. And I didn't want to mess with it after a couple (laughs) weeks off. I'm like, I'm just not interested in this game. Uh, So yeah, so Cup of Nations. If you're not familiar, it's the continental championship. It's the equivalent of Euros or Copa, or not Copa America. Yeah, Copa America or the Gold Cup in CONCACAF. And so it's the African Championship. Senegal against Egypt, two fairly traditional powers, although Senegal has never won this tournament. They've been good for the past couple decades in particular, but they're looking for the first title. I like Senegal in this game uh, to win outright. I played it at plus 135. I think it's drifting down. I saw it more on plus 120 this morning. Uh, and remember, this is a cup final, so they have to win this in regulation. It's just the old know what you're betting thing that I think anyone who's bet soccer has fallen into at some point. Uh, so I like them to beat Egypt. They've been Playing well throughout the tournament, Senegal has. Uh their outscored opponents nine to two. The underlying numbers pretty much match that. Uh, their defense has been good. And Egypt has just been kind of grinding out these one goal wins. They got through the semis on penalties. Uh they're they've barely outshot their opponents. Their expected goals are basically identical. So I mean They're a decent team. Obviously, they're a good team. They have Mosala who plays for Liverpool. So they can be dangerous in attack. They just haven't shown it throughout the tournament. Senegal has been kind of the class of the tournament so far. I like to win win this one outright. Plus 135 is my price.
2: Remember, this is uh, important. This is a regulation bet. This is on the three-way line. If uh, Paul, I would imagine that if someone is not comfortable with just taking the three-way line, you would still advocate for a, uh, to lift the trophy bet if available.
4: Yeah, you're gonna have to pay more juice. Minus, I forget the number that I saw mm-hmm. on that, but definitely paying juice to take Senegal on that. But that's that's my pick if you're looking for a to lift the trophy. That's the bet I'd play too.
2: There you go. So Senegal and Egypt. That is on a Sunday. This week, uh, by the way, uh did watch a little of that Cameroon-Egypt e- e- match yesterday. Very creative very creative penalties by Cameroon will be the way that I'll phrase that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that one in the end, Egypt advancing 3-1 in penalties. All right, Paul, I, I don't know if you know, but there is a, it's a pretty significant game uh, next weekend uh, here stateside. Uh, Bengals and Rams, uh, two teams traditionally that have not been particularly good, but here we are yeah. in 2022. They're in the Super Bowl. Uh, you have a pair of props that you 've already fired on, Paul,
4: yeah, so I played last week. I played Evan McPherson over one and a half field goals against mm-hmm. the Chiefs, and that worked out uh, i'm gonna pl- I play I already played it again this week, more juice at minus one fifty last week, I think it was minus one ten or minus one twenty, uh, but it 's the same reason he's made two field goals in twelve of nineteen games this year, had two others where he attempted at least two. He's had three field goals in all the playoff games. Zach Taylor's not super aggressive on fourth down. You know, we saw him willing to take the field goal even against the Chiefs. Uh, a couple spots that he maybe would have considered going for it. So he clearly trusts him. He's got the ability to hit from fifty plus. So yeah, I like over one and a half field goals at minus one fifty for Evan McPherson.
2: And then your second one, and and this actually was brought up earlier on the, yeah. on the show a little bit. Look, you're dealing with two coaches that don't really care for their timeouts, especially in the first half. But Paul, Sean McVeigh is probably the most guilty culprit of burning unnecessary timeouts
4: in the entire league at this rate. Yeah. And this is not just a perception. You know, anyone who's watched the Rams game, especially in the playoffs, you, you see these early timeouts called. He called one in the into the first quarter against the Niners into the first quarter against the Cardinals uh, made it till about three minutes left in the second quarter against the Bucks before calling one, but it's not just anecdotal. So NFL analytics group did a study on this in November. And over the last four years, no team has called more unnecessary timeouts per game than the Rams, almost three a game, 2.9 per game. That's offense, defense, and wasted challenges. Uh, that's the most in the league. So, I mean, it's, it's right there. Uh, the Bengals aren't all that far off, they were seventh, about two point three per game, but yeah, the Rams just use their timeouts. So I played the Rams to call the first timeout at minus one fifteen, uh, and I'm, I'm very excited to see the play clock running down and they're still getting out of the huddle and they're gonna have to burn one with seven minutes left in the first quarter or something.
2: That that, that in all honesty, Paul, of all the props that can be bet in this game, I think this is low key one of the more exciting ones mm-hmm. because on every single play, you're right, like any play yes. where. We're, oh, we're slow getting the play to Stafford. All right, come on, run it down, run it down. Still in the huddle at 10. All right, we got a shot here. Like that seems like one where legitimately every single play, you, you're actually having somewhat excitement there.
4: There's definitely an entertainment value uh, factor in, in making this bet. I mean, I believe it. That's why I have played it. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Every single play, mostly when the Rams have the ball, but it could be the other way too you got to root against the Bengals when they have the ball or you're hoping the Rams slip a 12th man on the field accidentally and have to burn a timeout. So yeah, I think this one's a lot of fun and I'm excited to cheer for slash against it. Once the game gets going next week.
2: Absolutely there, Paul, Paul, we have a, we have about a, a minute and a half here before we let you go, but just overall sense again, we'll we'll have you next week when Gil's back as well. But as we sit here a week out, what what's your overall sense of this game just in general?
4: I mean, I think, The kind of top storylines from an on the field perspective are accurate. You know, it's the pass rush. The Bengals line has been awful. Joe Burrow has not made good decisions as far as getting rid of the ball on the whole. And the Rams have one of the best pass rushes that's out there. And that's very interesting to me. And on the flip side, you know, Stafford has torn apart the blitz. The Bengals actually don't blitz a ton. So that. Could be something. Are they going to be able to get pressure with their front four in the same way the Niners are usually able to? I don't know. So those are those are kind of your the top level storylines, I think, from an on-the-field perspective that everyone kind of jumps on immediately. But I think it's it's true. It's very uh it's easy to watch, it's easy to understand, you know, what's going on when either team has the ball. And I think that'll be a fun one to watch.
2: He's Paul Carr. You can get him on the tweets at his name. Paul Carr, of course, True Media Networks and True Media Sports is where you can find all Paul's great work as well. Paul, it's a pleasure. Uh, by the way, before we let you go, how much snow did you end up getting? Got about four inches
4: here oh, in Topeka. Not too bad. And, no, not bad at all. Good oh, yeah. enough to get the daughter out and play in the snow for a little while. There it's you pretty go. good.
2: So you, you ended up pretty pretty good, all things considered, for what the rest of the region ended okay. up being. Paul, pleasure as always. Uh, we'll see you again next week. You bet. Have a good weekend, Jeff. Uh, you as well, Paul. Uh, I, I will say uh, I, on the... Uh, the African Cup of Nations, real quick. The uh, the Cameroon penalty taking yesterday was it's interesting. Just, let's just put it that way. It was not a it was not ideal, and that's why Egypt uh, into the final. But Paul likes uh, like Senegal in that one. More Super Bowl props coming your way next on a numbers game here on Visa.